Welcome, listener, to another podcast for the Vegetable Growers of Australia. Uh, it's been produced by Applied Horticultural Research for the Soil Wealth Project, and that's funded by Hort Innovation using the vegetable levy and contributions from the Australian Government. And today I'd like to welcome the agronomist from AHR, Mark Hinderager. Mark's been working with the vegetable growers in the Cowra area. We've been learning about cover crops and uh, it's great that you've been able to give us some time today, Mark, and tell us about it. So welcome and thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, Kim. Good to be here. Now, Mark, when did you start seeing the adoption of cover crops in the Cowra area? Well, towards the end of what we call the millennial drought, maybe around 2010 is when our big Wyangla Dam field and that allowed farmers full allocation of irrigation water, which is when cover crops and green manure crops re-emerged. And I, I say re-emerged because the concepts, it's been used off and on for decades really, but in the last eight, 10 years, a few growers in this area have learned more of the benefits and how cover crops can fit into their rotations. Uh, sorry, what do you mean by fit into their rotations? Well, staggered plantings of horticulture crops are harvested over many months and different seasons of the year. So sometimes we can go straight into another cash crop, but sometimes we have an odd couple months or more that need filling in, so to speak, before planting the next cash crop. So rather than letting a paddock sit idle and grow weeds, we can choose an appropriate cover crop to fill the gap. So if you're choosing an appropriate cover crop, Mark, what dictates this choice? And is there an, uh, you know, one go-to crop that suits any situation? Well, I, I wish there was a one-size-fits-all answer, but it's not that simple. Our cover crop choices change mainly with the seasons of the year and how they benefit the following crop or crops. So, for example, legumes leave a nice slow-release nitrogen, which is a big benefit again in our light sandy soils especially for something like popcorn a high nitrogen using crop rye grass and rye corn are easy to establish can be quickly scattered scratched in they, they germinate at minimal depths so they're an easy one to uh, establish again anything is better than nothing and most cover crops will help us with our main objective objectives which are improving organic matter, nutrient cycling, and providing ground cover for infiltration. Now, while you've been working with the growers in Cara, what have you discovered are some of the real benefits of co uh, cover crops for them? Yeah, I'd say there are at least three key benefits for farmers in this area. So our light sandy soils need organic matter and they need nutrient cycling to delay acidification. So cover crops help, okay? They're not the be all end all, but they help. And especially if we can use reduced tillage following the cover crop. And a second benefit would be that they suppress weeds while they're growing to reduce our herbicide spraying. So depending on which weeds are competing with my cover crop, I may or may not spray. But compared to months of bare fallow, cover crops reduce the overall need to spray herbicides. And Recent work at the University of New England shows that tall weed suppressing cover crops don't allow weeds to set viable seeds. So you might see the weeds down in there, but because there's so much competition for water and nutrient and sunlight, most of them weeds don't get much past the flowering stage. The third benefit would be that 
Cover crops provide invaluable ground cover for us. And I say invaluable because it increases infiltration rates. And we've learned that we don't have to grow big, bulky, time-consuming cover crops to achieve a little bit of ground cover. Just maybe two, three ton to the hectare dry matter accomplishes the cover for infiltration that we need. So we know multi-species covers will, will grow more biomass than single-species cover crops, but it, you know, it takes eight to nine ton to the hectare dry matter to really get good weed control. Now, what about biofumigants? Have you tried any of those? Yeah, we've tried some biofumigants such as Caliente mustard grown through our winter months and we've grown fumigator sorghum through our summer months. So biofumigants rely on biomass and aggressive tillage to properly fumigate and suppress things like nematodes and soilborne diseases. So they're really not a focus for us since in general, we don't have big problems with nematodes or soilborne disease. Well, that's certainly very fortunate for the growers in Cowra. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mark. That's been really informative and we really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and experiences today. And listener, for fact sheets, case studies, webinars and podcasts on a vast number of helpful topics for vegetable growers, head off to the Soil Wealth website. That's soilwealth.com.au and applied horticultural research site at ahr.com.au. And thank you for joining us.